audio conversation with Chuck Weiss, recorded September 6th, 2010. Chuck Weiss is the author of a book entitled Abducted by Aliens, and then the subtitle is How I Learned to Cope with High Strangeness, Government Harassment, and My Mother. Uh, Chuck is an entirely impressive guy, very um, gentle and soft-spoken and very thoughtful about his own set of experiences. This is a, a rather long interview. The, the, he has a lot to share. And he also has a website, which is abductedbyaliensthebook.com. And that's a WordPress blog, and on there is the entire um, uh, contents of his book, as well as you can do a direct download of the book, uh, and you can find that through the blog site. I did encounter a slight audio problem when recording this. I made some sort of simple mistake uh, the way I set the audio levels, and my voice sounds a little loud and uh, unfortunately a little echoey compared to Chuck's um, strong voice. His He sounds great. I sound a little echoey and a little like I'm in a tin can. I don't talk as much as I usually do, so it's not that big of a deal. I encourage you to uh, to listen to the entire interview. I'm very impressed with the fellow. And, uh, and it was quite lively, and it was uh, um, very insightful in a lot of things. There's a lot of things that have been bothering me and a lot of things that have been challenging me. And, um, and he talks directly to those issues in a, in a first-person way that uh, allowed me a, a way into some of the more complicated issues that surround this whole strange phenomenon. Here goes. Please enjoy. Which I'm actually not even sure how I stumbled on your, your, your page, but um, I think you came from um, one of the other places I blog, uh, um, uh, alien UFOs or um, unexplainedmysteries.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was impressed when I when I found it, and uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for saying yes to this interview. Well, thank you. In reading your book. The, the year 1994 seems to play a big role in this, and I just was curious if you could just talk about that year and, and why it seems to be so... Um, well, uh, it's the year it all began. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I was awakened to my uh, ET uh, contacts uh, in January of 1994 and uh, started a journal right away uh, to document what was happening. Um, so the first third of the book is this UFO journal that, that I started and um, documents uh, most of that is uh, 1994. Uh, there was an incident that stopped uh, everything in its tracks uh, when I discovered I was also under surveillance by, by humans as well as extraterrestrials. And when you say stopped, you mean you, you put a stop to the journaling or? Uh, yes, I... I um, um, uh, discovered that uh, I was also being watched by uh, Majestic. I, that's the term I use uh, for the agency that is in charge of uh, uh, all things uh, UFO. Um, and um, it, it kind of threw a scare into me. Um, uh, they tried to break into my, uh, my ex-wife's house uh, where my daughter uh, was staying. Um, and uh, I, I just sort of stopped everything uh, right there. I, I stopped going to uh, um, UFO conferences and things. Uh, it wasn't until later that I, I started up my journal uh, uh, back in um, um, uh, 2006, I think, uh, as I was uh, writing the book. So a 12-year 
interim where, where you weren't doing such an intense self-examination? Um, yes, yes. Um, um, but actually, the, the cause of that was, was a later incident, as, I, as I'm recalling. Um, I, I stopped the journal, but uh, uh, I, I dropped out of the UFO community uh, when uh, uh, they got at me uh, uh, through my girlfriend, actually. Uh, scared uh, uh, the bejesus out of her, and she uh, actually fled the state. Good grief. And yeah. had she had any of her own personal experiences? Oh, yes, yes. She, um, um, she, I, I met her at a UFO support group that I had started. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, there's actually, this is very, the, the romance thing that shows up in, um, uh, between experiencers is, is something that is very interesting. And, and I mean, it well, makes it, sense on a lot of levels, but I do find it interesting. Yeah, well, it's understandable on, on, on one hand, uh, uh, um, uh, when you come out as an experiencer, there uh, often your love life goes to zero. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I can I can attest to that. So um, uh, when you find somebody else in similar uh, circumstances, uh, uh, you naturally uh, include them in your dating pool. Yes. Um, but um, I think there is also an element uh, of manipulation on the part of the ETs uh, or. Um, and I use that term interchangeably, uh, ETs or uh, for uh, uh, extraterrestrials or interdimensionals. <clears throat> but um, there is certainly manipulation uh, going on uh, with uh, uh, abductee experiencers. Um, and I, I think very often uh, people are brought together in the hopes that they'll mate. And what's your sense? I mean, is that I mean, does that seem like a violation, that sort of manipulation that takes place behind the curtain? Or does that seem like it's actually... Uh, I don't, I mean, well, um, to many it does, and to me it did at, at first. Um, um, uh, Whitley Strieber, I think, uh, uh, when he uh, during one of his uh, visits, uh, uh, said to them, you, "You don't have the right to do this," and, and they replied, uh, "Oh, yes, we do. We have every right to do this." And um, and that implies something. You know, an out-and-out yes. out ownership, or an out-and-out out, like uh, you know, I just I, does that mean we're we're you know rats in the maze that they are, that they're running, or you know, uh, I did a blog post recently um, in which I talked about uh, it, it's all in the spin uh, of things. The facts can be the same, but but uh, whether or not you take it as, as a negative or a positive, um, um, you can interpret these facts in, in many different ways. Um, I've come to the conclusion that the greys in particular, uh, I'm, I don't know about the, the other 70-odd uh, 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 um, other life forms that are supposedly visiting Earth, but the greys in particular are higher beings. Um, uh, they're interdimensional. Uh, they, they come from the ethereal plane, uh, but can move around and uh, uh, interact in, uh, in the physical world as well. Um, but uh, if these are higher beings, and I, and I also believe that they, uh, um, uh, much as uh, Zachariah Sitchin uh, speculates, uh, created uh, the human race, I believe for different reasons. And you feel uh, that that was the greys, or it was some sort of other other uh, off well, uh, upon instruction intelligence. By, by, uh, upon instruction by still higher beings than themselves, uh, the greys uh, create the the shells. Uh, uh, their term. Uh, not containers, uh, but they use the word shells, um, in which they um, insert the souls uh, to be uh, born on Earth. Uh, the greys, in my opinion, are, in fact, the uh, 
uh, guardians of the mechanism of reincarnation. Um, uh, they run the whole operation. Now, that's interesting because we talked a little bit about this yesterday in a previous call, but um, that conclusion is something I've actually, it makes sense and I can wrap my mind around it, but it's, it's something I've, I've never read before. Um, well, it's been implied. Uh, I'm not the first to suggest that there is a, a spiritual agenda uh, um, uh, on the part of the Greys. Um, um, and um, people like uh, Raymond Fowler, a uh, famous uh, uh, researcher, have concluded uh, that they come from behind death's great door. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, he has determined uh, that they often show up uh, <clears throat> at the birth uh, of a child as well as the death. Uh, of someone. Um, <clears throat> they seem to be intricately um, connected to, to that process. Um, and through my own experiences, uh, I, I've come to similar conclusions that, that these uh, are higher beings. Uh, as I said in our previous conversation, uh, there is a tradition in um, Orthodox Judaism that says everyone walks around with an entourage of spirits, uh, unseen. And um, I believe uh, uh, that this is true, and this um, uh, they are, in fact, uh, uh, the greys. And the taller gray, the supervising gray, uh, is uh, what we sometimes refer to as the guardian angel. Um, angel is not a word that I lightly use. It's not one that it was uh, normally in my working vocabulary. Uh, I'm a, a practicing pagan, so uh, 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 I, b- I believe in a hierarchy of, of beings. Uh, but um, um, some people do use the word uh, uh, angel, um, um, and uh, I do sometimes now as well, but uh, I consider these uh, as higher beings. And then the implication would be that they that they are uh, an intermediary for something even higher that that may not be able to interact with us directly just due to our physical the physical reality that we're in if they're in some sort of ethereal reality that they that they would not be able to pass through the veil uh, the same way that their interlopers do. Well, from what I understand, there is a hierarchy. Uh, it goes up several levels. Uh, I have extrapolated from string theory, uh, which um, <clears throat> excuse me postulates uh, eleven different uh, levels of uh, um, dimensions. They call it, and um, uh, I believe uh, if if this is true, then the the highest dimension would be the godhood, if if, if you want to call it that, uh, with subordinate levels underneath, uh, and, and uh, the lowest one being the physical realm, where energy is congealed into matter. But where we are. Where we are. Um, <clears throat> now, the, the greys uh, are bred to their task. Um, uh, they're, they're created uh, uh, for specific purposes. And uh, until recently, um, uh, they had no emotions. Um, and uh, the small greys are, are the doctors, if you will, the ones that perform the medical um, procedures. Um, uh, they keep tabs on, on selected uh, bloodlines that go back to the beginning of history. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 
a lot of this is way out there. I understand this is yeah. Isn't it the realm of speculation? Is 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 you know you're allowed to go way out there, and I think in the in the mere fact that this is such an elusive mystery, uh, you know, it would be you know you have no choice but to 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 go where the uh, oh where the information leads you as well as where your your intuition leads you. Well, yes, but but for people who are listening, <laughs> this this can be a turnoff to be so extreme. Uh, I, I want to say that uh, I've been dragged kicking and screaming through a series of paradigm shifts that have led me to this conclusion. Uh, at first, <clears throat> although I, I was very interested in, in the subject of UFOs, uh, the idea of people being floated out of their windows and abducted seemed really out on the fringe, and, and uh, I even resented such stories because they seemed to take away from any uh, uh, um, uh, valid uh, investigation, uh, uh, in my opinion, at the time. And then suddenly I woke up and found that my life was a uh, Grey B science fiction movie, and uh, uh, I was smack dab in the middle of of this thing. Uh, So I had to accept it. Uh, 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 I'm of the mindset that when I'm presented with a mystery, uh, especially if I'm involved, uh, i got to find out what's going on. Uh, Other people um, uh, will to maintain and, and, and to function in the world uh, will dismiss it or, or put it aside and not look at it. <clears throat> People cope however they can. Uh, I have to take a look at it. I can't just let it alone. And so I, uh, I answered the call and, and investigated and found that as I reached out to try and understand this great unknown that I was suddenly confronted with, um, it reached out to me. And we met somewhere in the middle. And uh, that was encouraging. Uh, at that point, I, I stopped feeling like I was a lab rat. It's interesting because I've sat in the uh, UFO support group meetings, and it seems that uh, if you had only watched late-night television documentaries where they do have the, uh, the scary music and the... Um, the frightening imagery of of uh, the little evil doctors and and uh, uh, being abducted from bedside from your bed as well as from you know spooky roads late at night. Um, you would have an you would have just a one dimensional image of this whole thing. But when you sit and talk with people who are actually involved with it, uh, a different picture emerges that 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 doesn't show up in the pop culture thing. And in a way, that's what I'm trying to combat with this well, with these interviews. Well, very good. Uh, yes, uh, fear sells. Uh, plain and simple, uh, um, and well, and I would almost say rather than fear, I would say uh, 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 you know the upgraded spooky campfire story is what what you're seeing on those late night documentaries. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all like to get a vicarious uh, a thrill of danger that uh, really isn't there, you know, but we can pretend. Um, so, yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, uh, social factors at play uh, uh, as this is played out in the media. Um, and, and the media, at least in, in, in this country, uh, um, if it's mentioned at all, it's a joke. Uh, um, but uh, that is changing. Um, back 16 years ago when I first started uh, this uh, uh People were very offset by the subject and treated it very cavalierly. Um, 
but now there, there is there is more uh, interest, um, more acceptance. Uh, my boss at work uh, uh, has read my book and liked it, and, and and occasionally mentions it in front of other other people in the office. So uh, it's nice to be accepted. Uh, but um, for for others, uh, you know, they've been fired. Uh, um, uh, who you come out to about this is is. Uh, uh, should be given some consideration. In fact, I, that's probably the topic of my next blog post is about uh, coming out of the closet. And I would say that, that it's just so unusual f- for me to comment on this because I've, I'm, you, I'm using my real name on this blog. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm easily searched out on the Internet. If you search me, that's the very first thing that comes up. I've done a lot of other stuff that, that uh, seems more relevant, but this is what comes up. Um, and... I've sensed very little backlash. Most people have been um, very supportive. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and then I will also add that I don't really know what, what, what set of experiences I'm dealing with. I'm very cautious to give them a name because I don't have a direct experience that points to, uh, you know, like an alien abduction event, though that's certainly implied in some of my experiences. Well, uh, uh, your approach is uh, um, uh, commendable. Actually, um, um, you have such an open mind that you're that you're not even going to uh, pigeonhole it in, in the UFO category. Um, uh, there are so many uh, paranormal and anomalous experiences, uh, and, and they're certainly not all uh, uh, UFO related. Um, and uh, a lot of the uh, symptoms of abduction uh, uh, can be interpreted other ways, uh, undoubtedly. Um, so you, you're good to keep an open mind, and uh, I commend you uh, for for seeking the truth. Well, yeah, I'm seeking something. It's very. I know something is going on. It's hard for me to to to. It would be. It would feel. It just feels wrong if I if I start using terms uh, about myself that I can't. Um, justify at a deep level. Uh, so so I, I, it, it remains nebulous in a lot of ways, though I do feel strongly that something is taking place. Hey, you talked about, um, oh, 16 years ago, how the attitudes have changed and such. And I think this is, this is very interesting to me because uh, what's happened and what both you and I are doing is, is writing an online forum, a blog forum that anyone anywhere on the planet can, with a few clicks, could search out. Oh, you know, I mean, as, as silly as it sounds, these simple little audio interviews I can post on the Internet and anyone could listen to them. And this would have been, uh, you know, a few decades ago, uh, only capable in the realm of like a, of a giant radio station with a staff and, and thousands of megawatts. And something's happened. Something's taken place in the technological world that has very much influenced our ability uh, to democratize the way information is being uh, shared with with the rest of humanity, and and not only information. I mean, you know, like obviously very very fringe information like this stuff that would have been dismissed in a in a in a larger context uh, a few decades ago. Uh, oh yes, uh, the the internet is amazing. Um, we have the Alexandria Library, uh, the the Library of Congress. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the the concept. We have all of man's um, knowledge uh, available uh, with just a few mouse clicks. Um, uh, an amazing time to to be alive. Uh, a, a new uh, renaissance uh, uh, is unfolding, and I think <clears throat> in the the expansion of you know it's it seems to uh, 
I feel like we're in a, you know, like it's a verb, you know, like it's happening right now to try to describe something that's, that's evolving and, and changing is, is, is very interesting. And so we're not talking about a static thing, but it has the potential, it seems, to interact with the very evolutionary consciousness of our, of, of humanity in, in some way. And in a way it has, it already has happened because the mere fact that your boss, uh, is open-minded about this, um, says a lot about about what's happened in the last uh, 16 years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, in addition to the availability of information, uh, I, I think sheer numbers um, is, is also uh, at work here in terms of uh, over the years, more and more people have been awakened to uh, their ET contacts <clears throat> and have come to realize that they're a part of this. And as a consequence, there are many more people out there in the world that uh, know somebody who thinks that they're involved in, in, in this phenomena. So uh, uh, I think the numbers are beginning to shift as well. Um, there was a, there's but, a, uh, recently was posted on Huffington Post. It was kind of a dismissive kind of uh, giggle factor article about how silly people are. And one of the, the lead, the headline was, you know, one out of five Americans believes in alien abduction. And, uh, <laughs> wow, that's great. That's, 20 that's great. It's funny. The way it was framed in the article was kind of, was kind of uh, 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 silly. But, it, it, you know, that is a very interesting uh, piece of, uh, I, would not, I would not have been even begin to guess. You know, that seems about right, though, 20% of the population. Wow! Wow! Uh, um, uh, that's very interesting. I think uh, the um, uh, the poll done uh, um, commissioned by uh, Robert Bigelow um, back in the nineties um, suggested only two percent of the population was involved in abductions. Well, not, in, uh, not involved in abductions in the sense that that poll, I, and I don't know the, the details of it, but I think that was the number that they came up with uh, that 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 show signs. Of potentially right. being abducted themselves. This is just people who believe that it's a possibility. Right, right, right. Hey, um, how has this whole thing affected your, like, your spiritual growth? Oh, <laughs> oh, I am not the person I was. Uh, one of the symptoms recognized fairly early on um, uh, is a change in personality, uh, um, a um, sense of. Um, uh, mission, if you will, uh, uh, sometimes, um, and uh, a um, heightened sense of compassion and spirituality. Um, this last uh, part, uh, the spiritual aspect of this, is something that's been slow in being officially recognized, um, although uh, Dr. Mack uh, devoted uh, his uh, second book um, uh, to, to that, uh, that subject. Uh, and recognize that, that most researchers do see this uh, as a trend. Um, so the spiritual awakening of people uh, is a part of their agenda, I believe. Um, and it was so with me. Uh, I was tested severely in this area, and that's uh, one of the major reasons I've come to the conclusions that I have about the nature and, and uh, purpose of, of the grays. And when you uh, say tested, what do you mean? Well, I describe it in my book. Um, uh, <laughs> the, the big test uh, had to do with, uh, strangely enough, uh, cockroaches. <laughs> uh, I live in a uh, brick uh, uh, apartment building, uh, uh, an old building, and such buildings are often infested with cockroaches. 
Uh, and uh, when I took the apartment in, in uh, 1994, uh, such was the case. And like anybody, I was squashing them as, as, as fast as I could and, and trying to eradicate them. And uh, uh, I was sitting in the bathroom, and uh, one was crawling on the, on, on the door jam, and I, I just reflexively uh, uh, squashed it. And I, I took a second and said, well, wait a minute, man, you know, uh, I had earlier made a, a proclamation uh, that uh, uh, I wouldn't uh, kill anything except in, in, in the uh, uh, if I needed food or self-defense, you know that that that, that kind of uh, thing. But it never occurred to me to include uh, uh, bugs <laughs> in that category uh, or, or flying insects. Or uh, but after I killed that cockroach. Uh, and I was feeling particularly spiritual that week, I think because of a series of visits. Uh, and afterwards, uh, spiritual matters were of a concern. And, and that morning, uh, I was feeling particularly spiritual, but I had reflexively squashed out a life there uh, uh, um, just because of what it was. And I said, no. No, I, I, I really do need to reaffirm my pledge not to kill anything, including insects and bugs, and um, find some other way to deal with the problem. Uh, so uh, I, I made this pledge uh, very firmly in my mind. I will not kill anything, including bugs and insects, and, and really mean it this time. And then suddenly I actually heard and felt at the same time an in invisible chorus of voices shout out, he got it. And it, and it threw me for a loop. I thought, you know, whoa. And, and uh, I, I stuck to my word and, and um, scooped up any cockroach I saw into a, a, a cup and threw it out the two-story window. <laughs> so uh, it would, it would live its little life in the, you know, outside yeah, somewhere. My daughter, I think, was about 12 years old at the time, and, and, and she, uh, I paid her to, uh, 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 well, I think maybe she was a little younger, um, I paid her first a penny apiece to do it, and then she demanded a nickel, and finally went up to a dime. <laughs> well, hopefully that was the means that they were fewer and fewer, but... Uh... Well, um, um, it also helped her overcome her fear. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so uh, I made this, this commitment, and, and I kept to it. Um, it also got very comical sometimes uh, because uh, uh, they would collect in the commode underneath the, the rim, the top rim. And if I was to be true to my word, I had to make sure that they were cleared out from there whenever I flushed the toilet or else they would drown. Uh, so I, I had to, you know, to be true to my word – Sometimes I'd be dancing a jig as I was trying to get the last cockroach out the window so I could uh, go to the bathroom. Um, and this lasted for two years. And then one day I came home and uh, found that um, uh, the landlord had set um, roach motels in my apartment. Well, I immediately collect collected them and threw them out uh, because I didn't want, want that. Um, but after that, there were no roaches at all. Uh, the rest of the building, uh, remained infected 
and occasionally they would have to call in a uh, an exterminator, and you could opt out of that process, which I did. Uh, but I have not seen a roach in my apartment. Uh, uh, I, I, th- I think I may be seeing three roaches in my apartment since uh, uh, since 1994. Yet the building has undergone undergone numerous uh, exterminations, uh, but they they don't invade my apartment anymore. Uh, somehow. I don't know if they came and collected them all or, 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 or got rid of them. But uh, I, after two years, I was deemed uh, to have uh, confirmed my pledge and that I was uh, uh, actually doing this. And uh, so I no longer needed testing in that area. I have a, I mean, I'll, my story with the mosquitoes is sure. that, um, and I teach outside, I teach for an outdoor <coughs> school where I, where I uh, spend a lot of time in the mountains, and I've been in some very buggy environments, and um, I have chosen not to swat the mosquitoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will, if they land on me, I'll just gently shoo them off, and I'll, and I'll basically ask their permission to shoo them off and, and uh, you know, treat them uh, as kindly as I can. And, you know, and I do it at a kind of a deep level, and they yep. consequently... Don't bite me. I had the same experience. Uh, my my uh, my ex-wife and my daughter and I took a uh, vacation, um, and we stopped at a gas station one night, and swarms of mosquitoes all around. Um, my ex-wife and daughter ran into the uh, um, service area to to use the restrooms, and I stayed behind to pump the gas. And all the while, I chanted. I do not kill, please do not bite. I do not kill, please do not bite. And they came running back from the bathrooms and getting in the car because of all these mosquitoes. I had been out there all this time pumping gas. We got back in the car. They were covered with, with mosquito bites. I found three mosquito bites on me. It's, I still get bit a little bit, but I have, yeah, it's very interesting. And, right, and I feel right. like I mean, I'm less, uh, like a, I'm less of a zealot about it these days. You know, not, but at the same time, I'm. They don't bite me, so I don't. I don't know quite what to make of. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I don't foster my my spiritual beliefs on others. Uh, you know, if they haven't gotten there, uh, that's their path. Um, but uh, 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 here's this is this. I have a bunch of questions written down here, and this is one I just want to ask, and I'm not sure when, so I'm just going to fit it in right now. You, yes, wear a blazer when you go to uh, UFO conferences. Uh, yes, I, I, I dress uh, business casual. Um, uh, I thank you for that. I just thank you for that. I, I just I think that these things should be treated seriously. And yeah, uh, I've learned early on um, how you present yourself uh, um, bears uh, um, direct uh, directly on how people accept what you say. Um, so if you dress professionally, then people treat you as a professional. Yes, and I thank you for that because it, it is, a, you know, and I, and I feel that some people treat it as, as entertainment, and I take the stuff uh, very seriously, and I and I, and I uh, am somewhat offended when it's when it's when it's treated for laughs and giggles. Well, you know, I was too. I, I wrote an essay about it uh, uh, to laugh or to cry about how the media treats us uh, back in in, in uh, the, the 1990s. Uh, I've sort of changed my, my perspective a little bit on this. Um, yes. Um, you have the giggle factor, et cetera. Um, but you know, in the long run, and I've seen, you know, over the last 16 years, I've seen, um, 
there, there is the school of thought that says uh, there is no bad publicity, you know, <laughs> uh, as long as you're out there and people hear of it, uh, eventually it takes hold. Um, uh, I sent uh, Bud Hopkins a, uh, uh, a, a proof copy of my book, and he wrote back, uh, and he was disturbed by the title. That uh, it, it, uh, the full title of the book is "Abducted by Aliens" or "How I Learned to Cope with High Strangeness, Government Harassment, and My Mother." And he took issue with the "and my mother" part because he <laughs> thought it made it into into a joke. And uh, so I, I wrote back and said, "You know, you, you gotta you gotta laugh a little bit." And um, um, it's it's followed by you know a true story in parentheses, but uh, and uh, he he had gone on about the merchandising and, and all of that and how it cheapened the subject and and I said you know this is really a, a battle that was has long since been lost <laughs> and uh, um, uh, the title w- w- with its uh, bit of humor I, I think uh, actually uh, helps. Uh, uh, generate interest yeah it's and i and i i need to lighten up a little bit and i feel like there was a chapter of this whole thing for me where i was you know way too intense and just uh, overwhelmed with anxieties that that uh that that just added drama to the whole thing it's it's quite natural i mean this is this is such a an enormous uh uh, um in its scope and, and its in, in importance, uh, um, uh, and to find that you're suddenly in the middle of it is is staggering. Uh, it takes a while to 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 uh, put things in perspective. Here's a question: uh, what, Just judging yourself, do you feel you have any psychic abilities? <sighs> Good question. Uh, heightened psychic ability is often associated with this. Um, no, but uh, <laughs> I have come to believe this is because of some surgery that I was uh, given uh, in my book. I have a picture of a scar that I discovered on the back of my neck. Um, uh, um, I didn't discover it until I, I shaved up there a little too closely and, and uh, uh, because it had been hidden by the hairline. And uh, how long I've had the scar, I don't know. And it, it's uh, the chapter is titled, uh, 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 funny, I don't remember having brain surgery. <laughs> but uh, um, it's there nonetheless, uh, evidence of something. Uh, and I have... Well, uh, let me preface by saying um, most people don't know a, a real psychic. Uh, I'm fortunate in that I know three. Um, uh, and they've proven themselves over and over, uh, time and again, over the years. And uh, two of them independently have said that that was um, done to sever a cord uh, that links the... Um, the frontal lobes to the back reptilian part of the brain. And psychic ability can be generated uh, um, um, from either, but you need both working together to produce self-generated effects. Um, so I'm told by my psychic friends that um, uh, uh, I, I've been 
I've had surgery that uh, made psychic development uh, uh, impossible. And would this be to make your journey on your path uh, just to add an extra challenge that makes the journey that much more profound? I, I don't know. I do, now, it's, uh, you know, uh, all I know for sure is that I have a scar that's, that, that, that I've had surgery of some kind. <laughs> uh, uh, which is startling and, and, and perplexing enough uh, 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 as to why, you know, again, that's speculation. Yep. Uh, um, but, uh, uh, and I speculate, you know, it could be the ETs or, you know, at first when I discovered it, I thought maybe it was the ETs. Uh, my grandmother had died of a uh, brain aneurysm. And I thought maybe I was in danger of something like that. And Some sort of hereditary... Yeah, a uh, defect uh, that, that they um, uh, corrected. Okay. Uh, but uh, that was my initial uh, uh, um, thought. But uh, I was contradicted, as I said, by my two psychic friends. Now, these two psychic friends, what are their... Do they have uh, experiences that would fall into the category of the contact experience or the abductee experience? Uh, they both do, although one doesn't believe that she is. Uh, and my other friend Harold um, has known uh, for as long as I have about his ET contact. And and that when you say that that this that it's a woman that says that she she uh, she you you suspect something, but though she is in a place of denial, is that what you're insinuating? Um, well, um, uh, she's been a friend for for over thirty years, um, and she interprets uh, her unusual experiences in a different way. More of a spiritual kind of a uh, spirit based uh, uh, okay which is which is I, I think that's almost uh right yeah, very okay. understandable given even if we were if we were living on a you know uh, on a in a shamanistic environment you know in some uh, primitive village without the scientific nature that surrounds us all the time, I think that would be the conclusion that, that yeah, anyone it, would come to well it, it, it's a a matter of interpretation. Yeah, whether you interpret it as ETs or spirits or ghosts or, or what, what name you put to it. And are these friends? Do they both channel? Or I know that your one friend, his name is. Um, yes, they do. Harold more so than than, than uh, Lila, um, but uh, uh, they both are in contact with a chorus of of uh, spirits. And do they claim these spirits are from the realm of the ET contact? Um, well, uh, Lila cannot see hers. She can just hear them. Um, and uh, Harold, um, for the last four years or so, has been able to see them as well. And what's his impression? What, is, what does he see? <clears throat> um, initially, they comprised of several different species of ET, uh, including uh, the praying manis, uh, um, greys, um, uh, um, uh, s some others, uh, but now they're exclusively uh, greys, and um, half of, again, you know, we're, we're in the realm of channeled information here. Sure, and, and this needs to be taken with a, with a grain of salt, but it is a, but I think oftentimes that you do get a, uh, like a clue on the path. Yeah. Um, and I've written about this in a three-part series called the Original um, um, Human-Alien Hybrid Program. Um, no, no, excuse me, in, in the series called Conversations with ETs, uh, in which I describe some of the things I've learned uh, uh, through question and answer sessions uh, with, uh, with Harold and his chorus. And um, 
One of them is is, is that uh, um, uh, before ETs, uh, the the Greys were totally emotionless, but through the hybrid program uh, uh, that has been documented uh, uh, very well by Bud Hopkins and others, uh, a new generation of Greys has been created uh, with the full base of human emotions. Um, if the human uh, gray hybrid is born looking human, then it's, it's left with human parents, or and sometimes they wind up in orphanages, but they're left on Earth to develop and, and take their place in human society. Uh, if they look like a gray, then they're accepted in, into the gray uh, um, uh, culture and civilization. Um, but And there is this new generation, as I said, with uh, the uh, full emotional base of humans. And so Harold's chorus is now comprised of both 50-50, 50 of the old-school greys without emotions and the the others uh, uh, that do have emotions. And this, this, uh, so much of this field, you know, has whisperings of these, this hybrid program that's, that's taking place, though there are actually very few researchers who will dare to touch this. Right, yeah, outside of Bud Hopkins, I'm not too, too sure, uh, uh, um, and um, uh, Jacobs, uh, I don't know who has. Uh, now, uh, Jacobs has taken a very negative view of the whole thing, um, <clears throat> calls it the threat. Yep, well, that was, uh, that was actually, that, that title was, was, uh, was chosen by his uh, publisher, and that was not the uh, title that he wanted for the book. Though he doesn't argue with it. He kind of says, you know, that's fair enough, because so that, that does sum up his, his conclusions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I take the opposite view. I, I don't believe there are any uh, bad ETs. Um, uh, I believe the uh, negative experiences some people have is part of their awakening process. And, and I am completely on the fence and, and, and mystified by the whole thing. And, and depending on which way the wind blows, I, I have a different opinion, given, given you know what what uh, you know what information is at my fingertips at that moment. So I don't quite know what to think. Um, I'll be paraphrasing um, uh, Leo Sprinkle when he says that he sees you know the gray. You know, the, the, it's not black. It's not white. It's a mixture of both. And that's and, and strangely enough, uh-huh. that's the metaphor okay. we get. Yeah, that's an interesting metaphor. Yeah. So what's, what's your, do you have any first-hand interaction or knowledge of this hybrid program or this, the, uh, the, uh, you know, or anything to back up these, these claims of, you know, hybrid uh, experiences? Yeah. Um, Bud Hopkins was the, was the first to uh, document this uh, with uh, the cases of missing fetuses, uh, women who were diagnosed and as being pregnant, pregnant uh, confirmed through ultrasound. And suddenly, finding waking up uh, one morning and finding their their fetus uh, missing, um, and one was uh, uh, even into her seventh month. Um, very often, uh, the doctors will accuse them of uh, of having uh, had abortions, although there's no evidence of such a medical procedure. Um, and uh, uh, doctors who were supportive and concerned before suddenly turn against them. Um, so, uh, as I said, Bud Hopkins, uh, 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 researched this, uh, was the first to, to, uh, un- uncover, uh, a, uh, hybrid program. Um, now, uh, interestingly enough, again, uh, uh, let me tell you the story. 
Uh, in fact, you interviewed um, um, Cynthia Crawford. Yes, uh, Cynthia, and she's an incredibly lovely woman. Yes, and I met met her. Let me let me describe uh, how I met her uh, and her her story that uh, I discovered uh, uh, that I was actually a part of um, uh, at a local convention, annual convention here in uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, uh, Opus, a, uh, a support group, uh, was in attendance, and they uh, they had a round table discussion among uh, abductees, uh, letting everybody tell their story one by one. And I was sitting in a, in on this, and uh, Cynthia uh, described her story, um, where um, her parents had divorced at an early age, and she was visiting her her father, uh, who she didn't have much contact with, and he was a cold fish. And he suddenly, out of the blue, said, you do know, don't you, that you're a, um, a hybrid? And she said, what, what do you mean? And he says, well, you're half alien and half human and uh, uh, was part of a, a government program. Uh, <laughs> to hear such, your father say such a thing to you is incredible. I can't imagine how she felt. Um, now, he had been in the OSS which uh, was the uh, wartime, World War II uh, intelligence service. Um, and that morphed into the CIA uh, after the war ended in 1947. Now, her father had been mem- a member of the OSS, and my ears sort of perked up at that uh, because my father had been a member of the OSS. Ah, okay, keep going. So uh, uh, we met afterwards and compared notes and um, found another interesting aspect that uh, my father was born German-Jewish and uh, was a Holocaust survivor. Um, Although her father was not uh, uh, born in Germany, uh, her grandfather was, and her grandfather had been Jewish. So this this German-Jewish heritage uh, with intelligence background Uh, and... uh, very interesting story. Uh, uh, she seemed sincere, uh, uh, but uh, I took it with a grain of salt because it, it was an incredible story. And uh, um, I met with uh, Harold uh, a few months uh, afterwards and uh, um, was describing this, uh, uh, this meeting to him and how uh, we met afterwards and we were comparing notes and uh, we found out that, uh, you know, both of our uh, fathers were in the uh, uh, OSS, and uh, and as I started to also explain that about the Jewish German background, he brought it up. He said, "And yes, they uh, uh, they were German Jewish," and, and it floored me. And it's this kind of of of, of, uh, of comments that Harold will make sometimes that really confirms that he is in touch with something. So I said, wow, uh, that, that's, uh, that's amazing. And uh, um, uh, he said uh, the ETs were telling him that I was a part of that program. So uh, uh, that, that, was, that was unusual, uh, to say the least. And how and old are you? I'm uh, 63. Okay, and, sh- and, and uh, Cynthia just turned 61. Just, uh, right, um, right. Uh, so a few it's weeks the same ago. time frame. Same time frame. And um, uh, for this to have happened, uh, 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 
the government or the agency involved, uh, I call it Majestic, uh, would have to have been in, in touch with uh, or, or have some serious genetic uh, technology available to them at that time. Uh, we're talking, uh, um, oh, I forget the term, it's not in virtual fertilization, it was the step before that. But, but at any rate, to have that kind of technology uh, available in 1947, you know, it was unheard of. Um, and Lila, uh, separately, I was telling her the story, uh, and uh, uh, she also confirmed, uh, before I said anything about the uh, German-Jewish background, and said that the laboratory involved was, and again, she stopped and paused and listened to her voices and said, within a 70-mile radius of Roswell. Uh, well, very interesting. Roswell, New Mexico. Okay. In, 19, in the late 40s, exactly. Right. Um, an underground base uh, uh, within a 70-mile radius of, of Roswell. She said it was still functioning. Um, now, this is very interesting because uh, Harold had gone on to say that um, uh, the ETs were telling him uh, uh, went on to explain that um, they had shared uh, genetic technology with the human scientists, um, uh, believing that if they cooperated in creating a human gray hybrid, that it would facilitate contact um, and, and acceptance uh, 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 between the two uh, species. Um, now... In my book, I, 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 I go through a process and tell how I believe that Majestic um, is actually controlled by the uh, paperclip Nazis that were brought in through the back door after the end of World War II against uh, a presidential order that barred any, uh, anybody having been in the Nazi party from uh, getting entrance to the United States. Alan Dulles, uh, at the time, uh, um, Secretary of State, I think, um, initiated a secret program by which uh, uh, Nazis uh, were allowed into the United States um, by tagging their uh, folders with a paperclip, which meant that they had to be rewritten, retyped, uh, to um, expunge any mention of their Nazi past, so that they were allowed in. Um, uh, they worked on our space program. That, that's uh, well-known, actually. Uh, Werner Braun. Braun, sure. Yeah. Right. Right, uh, was uh, the man who uh, invented and uh, uh, was uh, in control of the V2, V1 and V2 rocket programs uh, that bombarded uh, uh, London. And, uh, so, but uh, not only were they rocket scientists, but they across the board uh, 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 in, in all different occupations uh, brought in uh, into American society. Uh, <clears throat> So um, uh, they also uh, helped form the CIA. Uh, uh, um, the Nazi intelligence network was uh, imported uh, uh, wholly and intact into the intelligence network of the United States, um, <clears throat> basically infecting the CIA from the beginning with hardcore Nazis. So... The scientists who were involved in this hybrid program in the underground base uh, uh, near Roswell 
were Nazi scientists. And their motivation for this uh, uh, hybrid program was, of course, to try and create the, the Aryan uh, 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 hybrid that, that they had been uh, uh, searching for. <clears throat> so uh, that was the motivation for each uh, to initially uh, participate in this hybrid program. Uh, but it uh, ran afoul uh, because although the ETs were willing to share their genetic technology, they were not willing to share um, their hardware technology, uh, their craft, their propulsion systems, their weapon systems. <clears throat> so um, uh, Majestic appropriated, and that was the word I was told the ETs used, misappropriated, uh, two flying craft, and it, it was when the ETs went to retrieve them that they were shot down, and that was later known as the Roswell incident. Yeah, once you go down this rabbit hole, this is very, you know, this is very, every, I've heard a lot of stories similar to this with different details, but the flavor of what you're saying is is very much uh, uh, interwoven into the literature of, of, of uh, you know, people who look into this stuff. Well, I have not seen any of the uh, any of this outside of what I've learned from from Harold and Lila. And so uh, th that that tells me, wow, there's confirmation out there. Uh, but, so were they uh, giving you these stories oh, independently? Have. Yes. And and then they were confirming each other, uh, yes. in essence, without either of them knowing. In, in the details, right? Um, um, because. Um, Harold uh, would interject details that I hadn't told him of uh, concerning um, uh, Cynthia and uh, Lila when I was describing what Harold had said would come up with details that I, had, I hadn't yet mentioned. So, yes, they both confirmed each other. Which doesn't necessarily make it true. I mean, there very much could be some sort of, you know, deceptive game being manipulated and played on you through, through this. Yeah, 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 I mean... Uh, I've known Lila for 35 years. I've known Harold for 16. Harold, well, not. I, I think that those the, they well, would be I, I, they I would know. be innocent of, of any wrongdoing. But this, the, something could be going on from some sort of theatrical uh, game could be played, you know, behind the curtain, and they could just be uh, intermediaries giving you the information. I'm just speculating myself too. So, uh, well, okay, all right, yeah, um, yes. You know, uh, there's so much at play here. It's really hard to get a grasp of, of, of exactly what is happening uh, and, and why. I mean, the, the implications of the alien hybrid thing are so far-reaching and so, you know, utterly bizarre that, that I, I'm very cautious to, to try to make sense of it, uh, you know, completely. Yeah. Though I do, yeah. I do listen very closely and I pay very close attention when people share these stories. And I've heard them from more than just you, I will add, from more than just you and Cynthia. I've, I've talked to a number of people who say, you know, unflinchingly, that they are uh, uh, human-alien hybrids. Yes, um, uh, and for years I thought these people were really clinically uh, in need of, of help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not so quick um, to say that anymore, so no, I, I thought as much no, too. I'm not, I'm not no. Um, yeah, and, and it's really hard to, and, and there are people who, who, who are the wannabes, who want so much to be involved in something uh, that will take them out of their humdrum existence. Uh, um, and, and, you know, as I say in the book, uh, 
when their fantasies are uh, revolve around something that is uh, uh, obviously fictitious, like uh, Star Trek or, or uh, mystery novels or, or something like that, then there's no harm done. You know, that, that, that's fine. It, it can even be healthy, a healthy escape. Um, but but when the 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 boundaries are, are blurred and 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 some people. Uh, um, can believe themselves to be involved in something that that, that uh, uh, they're really not, and they do muddy the waters, and uh, they're often used uh, to to uh, detract from from the real experiencers. Um, and I'll say but, also, I'll also add that those are the folks that 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 show up on the. Uh, the short little sound bite on the local news when there is a UFO conference, they immediately yeah. gravitate to those people with the with the funny dealy bopper antenna hats and giant T-shirts with gray aliens on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunate, but um, uh, it's part of the mix. It, 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 it's a zoo and a circus. <laughs> it is a circus, yeah. And I will add that there was a point, and I and I I guess it would have been around two thousand seven. It's hard for me to quantify it exactly where I feel like I spent 90% of my waking hours wallowing in existential angst over, you know, like if, you know, like I was trying to figure out if I was one of those wannabes, like what is going on? Am I, why am I so preoccupied and, and gravitating towards these things? And, and, and I, and I was very disturbed and very anxious about the whole thing and and that was what what i uh you know either i was on one side of the fence or the other either i was a wannabe that was pretending this was all happening or and or somehow or another something very real was happening right right and and, uh, i did a blog post actually where um um, talking about uh, taking a reality check uh every now and then uh we need to sit down and say okay what is the hardcore basis of facts that I base my new paradigm on? Um, and, and go over those. Uh, for me, um, I saw two grays materialize in my bedroom. I was not asleep. I was wide awake, and, and I cannot deny that experience. Uh, that was perhaps the best confirmation I could have ever asked for. Um, the marks, body marks that I wake up to, uh, that I didn't go to bed with, uh, are undeniable as well. I've taken photos, scoop marks, uh, bruises, etc. Uh, unexplained scars. Um, there is a lot of hard evidence that experiencers can, can look at to reassure themselves that, uh, no, uh, they're not one of these. Uh, uh, yes, this is really happening. You can't deny uh, uh, that uh, these body marks uh, uh, appear out of nowhere. Uh, um, and <clears throat> so um, there, there, there can be some, some real basis uh, to, to, to believe uh, that, that something real is happening. And part of that real basis for me uh, has been just doing this blog, where where I go back and read my own writing, and I'm just like, and, and, and it, I'm, it's convinced me that something very real is taking place. Hey, you you said two grays materialized in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would love to hear more about that. Okay, it was um, in the early morning hours at about three thirty or so in the morning of January eleventh, nineteen ninety four. Um, I was lying in my bed looking out the window. 
which is uh, illuminated by a street lamp, a lamp uh, shining on a whitewashed uh, uh, building next door. So it was quite bright behind that, that window. And I was lying in bed, very still, just going over in my mind everything that had been happening and, and, and just reflecting, not moving at all, uh, for a period of maybe 15, 20 minutes. And I'm staring out the window and thinking, I'm not asleep. And suddenly I see like a, a, a smear or a dark shadow, uh, a translucent shadow in front of the, uh, of the window. Wait a minute. And, and I'm, I'm just staring at this. And it's becoming darker and darker and larger, uh, uh, taking up more for, form and developing form. And it looks like it's bipedal. And it has a large head. And oh, my God. Uh, so I closed my eyes. I didn't count to ten. I counted to five. <laughs> okay, impatient. Good. Okay. I would right. I would have, I would have made it to three, eyes. I think. Uh, and it was still there. Um, and uh, also, I had been seeing something form in the periphery of my vision to the right. Uh, but I didn't want to take my eyes off of what was right in front of me. And I didn't. And when I opened my eyes again and saw it was still there, I thought, oh, my God. And I instinctively, reflexively started to leap out of bed. I got up on one elbow and was suddenly immediately paralyzed. I could not move anything. And I started to fall into this mental black hole. It started to lose consciousness. And as I was falling into the blackness, I screamed in my head, no, God damn it. And suddenly I was free. My eyes were open. I was able to move and I was completely alert and there was nobody there. Now, I can understand that somebody might really freak out thinking that they see something that isn't really there. But people don't usually start to fall asleep in the middle of a panic attack. So that told me something really happened, really did happen. Um, they came back the next night, uh, but they, had, uh, uh, they were made to abort the, the, their mission uh, uh, that night. Um, I, I think they thought I was asleep. I was probably generating a lot of alpha waves, just lying there motionless uh, thinking. Uh, they probably thought I was asleep, and that's, uh, that's why they started to materialize. And, and so you um, never saw them fully materialize? Um, pretty much. I'd say about 90%. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, and was yeah. it associated fear associated, that, that like, occurred with this? Um, astonishment. Um, not really fear, but my body reacted, you know, I was trying to leap out of bed before I even thought about it. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, um, and, and then I was suddenly paralyzed. Um, but, uh, it was the best confirmation I could have ever asked for. Uh, very few people, uh, uh, percentage wise actually see, uh, a gray. And, uh, and I, we spoke yesterday and I told you a story, which, which, uh, where I saw Five, yeah, five, appear to be the big-headed gray aliens with the big black eyes and the skinny bodies outside my window, and I also acted very irrationally. Where where uh, my memory is that I uh, I basically you know saw them for maybe twenty seconds and then lay back down and went right to sleep. Yeah, yeah, not your typical reaction, or shouldn't be. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that, my, my the proper reaction would have been to you know lock the doors and get a baseball bat. Um, Hey, it, this is, so January 11th, 1994 lines up with that year, 1994, which you refer to as your awakening. Mm -hmm. And was this the, one of the first uh, 
I mean, that's very early in the well, year. Well, this was in June. The awakening began in January of uh, 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 mid-January of 1994. Oh, okay. So, so the, the event with the two grays was in June. Right. Okay. Right. Um, I was literally woken up uh, 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 by, by a ring on the telephone uh, in January uh, over a series of, of three consecutive nights, um, twice each night. Uh, uh, I woke up to the ring of a telephone, and when I went to answer it uh, at bedside, uh, just a dial tone. But each time, it didn't really have the same quality of ring and dial tone, you know, I mean, uh, ring to it. Uh, um, uh, so uh, on the third night, uh, I actually went around the house and uh, disabled all the ringers to see if it would happen again, and it did. And so I'm suddenly confronted with having audio hallucinations. Oh, my God. You know, something you can't really deny. I mean, I turned off the ringers and I woke up to the ring of a telephone. Um, so uh, sitting there, and I, I, I had the compulsion to go into the bathroom and, and inspect myself, found a, a large scrape mark across my left shoulder as if I had been in a motorcycle accident and left half of it on the pavement. Um, uh, it looked like it should have really hurt, but it, but it didn't at all. Uh, and I was kind of nonchalant about it, too. You know, I, I didn't freak out about it. Um, and, and so other things began to happen. Uh, it wasn't too long after that I had my first spontaneous healing, uh, an exercise injury uh, on my home exercise machine. I was in extreme agony one second, uh, and then suddenly uh, I felt uh, um, three times uh, as if somebody were pressing their thumb against my tailbone. Uh, and when I looked around to see what was in the, uh, on the couch I was sitting on, there was nothing there. And suddenly I realized that excruciating pain was gone, was completely gone. Uh, my doctor couldn't explain it, um, um, but that was one of several spontaneous healings that I, that I received. So January was a ser whole series of really strange, bizarre uh, uh, incidences, uh, waking up to a sunburn <laughs> uh, when I hadn't been out the, in the sun the day before. Um, all of this pointed to some extreme strangeness, uh, some great unknown that I'd suddenly bumped into. And, and uh, from then on in, it's been quite a ride. This is fascinating. This is fascinating. Um, your book has been uh, put on in a blog format in, in, in short little entries. And is it the complete book that, that shows up? Uh, yes. Um, I went to blogging because I got one of the nicest rejection notices uh, uh, I could have hoped for uh, from, a, from a major publisher uh, of books by uh, uh, experiencers, saying, yes, we liked your book. It's a good book. Uh, under normal times, we would certainly consider it. But uh, the, uh, um, the economy is broken, the industry is broken, and we're no longer uh, um, distributing books. Good luck. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, so I was about two years too late. Um, so uh, I had a lot of other material that I didn't include in the first book with the idea of even publishing a, a sequel. Um, so I still wanted people to read it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I spent two years writing this thing. So I decided to, to, to blog and uh, to initially uh, start out the blog with uh, serializing uh, the complete book. So um, um, segment by segment, uh, over uh, 130 posts, I serialized the 358 pages uh, of my book, 
And from there, uh, I think it's been about 30 or so posts after that, uh, I, I blog about uh, the subject of alien abduction. And then I came but, in and found your site, uh, you know, fairly close to the end of it. That that. Uh, um, but but I started the the, the blog as a way to uh, um, draw notice to my book. I offer it free uh, on my website as as a download as a free ebook, and um, so I'm not making any money off of it. In fact, it's costing me money. I have to renew my uh, uh, my hosting fees, etc. Um, uh, very soon. Uh, but um, I just want people to read it, so it's it's offered there for free. And uh, uh, as you say, the internet came along at just the right time, uh, because otherwise I'd be stuck uh, uh, with a book that nobody could gain access to. And and uh, and part of that book is stories and and firsthand experiences with some sort of government uh, interaction in your life. Now that's the second part of of the subtitle: uh, how uh, how I coped with government harassment. Now, this is a dark, the dark underbelly of the abduction phenomena that people don't like to talk about. And they don't like to talk about the abduction. Nobody likes to talk about the abduction phenomena to begin with. So. And those who do, they especially don't want to consider that the government is involved. Uh, very few people have gone there. Uh, there are a few abductees that have written about their experiences with, with the government. Um, one researcher remains in the field, uh, Melinda Leslie. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my conversations with her, she described three other researchers she knew who were doing this kind of thing, who were scared out of the business. Um, so, uh, and I describe it as my second paradigm shift. Uh, I was much more readily uh, to accept the fact that I was being taken in the middle of the night by people from another planet uh, than I was that I would be interfered with by my, by my own government. And I think this is a, a fundamental um, uh, paradigm that, that people have. You know, they want to, they need to believe in the government. They need to believe that what they're told is the truth. And most people do. Um, so to find that... that uh, uh, they keep tabs uh, on a segment of the population. They actually harass and sometimes even drive them to suicide, as has been documented before. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- this is way too uncomfortable for, for most people to consider. So even within the UFO phenomena, uh, which has evolved again and again over time to accept more and more new strangeness, um, before it was just lights in the sky, and occasionally you might see a landing, but but to but to talk about occupants, uh, people were very nervous about that. And then then that that faded, and, and we we got into to to different kind of um, CE four uh, CE experiences. Uh, uh, Heinrich uh, uh, came out with the CE one, two, three, and four, describing the the various uh, contacts with, with uh, uh, alien craft, and. Um, uh, so there's the the whole uh, community has has evolved over time as new information has come forth, and this this last one is another big nut to crack, and to accept the fact that the government is intimately involved um, in the lives of uh, contactees. And uh, and are they? This is so strange because I I struggle with this. And do they have if your claims as well as uh, Cynthia Crawford's are you know to be believed, I mean, it would be very easy in one sense just to keep track of you since your birth, if the uh, alien hybrid 
program Israel. So yeah. that would be one thing. And then and then there's also it's I get the sense that they have um oh almost like a, a giant radar dish somewhere and then if, if that that actually senses the the special signature that would be given off by well, let's well, say a actually, flying saucer. Actually, it's been been discovered, and, and even the public now is, is aware. Uh, um, um, there's information on how to observe UFOs. Evidently, digital cameras will pick them up when they're invisible to the eye. Very interesting. Um, uh, night night radar, uh, excuse me, night, night vision goggles will see them, and. Um, uh, actually, there, there's a video that, that, that uses that, that kind of uh, uh, technology, and there are just literally hundreds of UFOs in the sky when, when it, they're invisible otherwise. Um, the, the government is often seen uh, showing up on the scene in black helicopters right after an abduction event. Um, and uh, Melinda Leslie uh, has documented that they will very often... Uh, right after an abduction event, come in and debrief the contactee. Often, often quite quite mean spirited de- debriefs. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm sure we're they're they're told that uh, um, experiencers are a fifth column, uh, uh, working uh, um, willingly or not under mind control uh, of, of uh, extraterrestrials, and that they present a very real security problem. Uh, as a fifth column uh, for possible invasion. So they don't look kindly upon us and, and are often very rough in handling us. Um, they've wrenched uh, my, my shoulder and knees uh, uh, when they rush me out of bed. I wake up uh, in the morning, uh, um, you know, having gone to bed fine, and then wake up and, and my, my, my joints have been severely wrenched. Uh, I have to go to bed now wearing knee, knee braces uh, to protect them. Uh, in case majestic visits. But they do come in, and through a combination of drugs and hypnosis, uh, which is the only way that combination can break down the subconscious mind's natural uh, um, instinct to protect the person and not to to uh, do anything that would hurt or damage the person, including talking to, to, to people who are not, not too kindly. Um, so with the drugs added to the hypnosis, they're able to break down the, the, this, uh, this natural barrier and, and have the, the uh, subject uh, freely uh, give them the information that they're looking for. Uh, Melinda thinks that they're, they're looking for um, anything concerning uh, uh, alien technology um, because uh, uh, that uh, relates directly to weapons and, and things of that nature. Yeah, this is so. This is a. This is this is something I struggle with, and I and I and I. I mean, the the vast network that must be in place to do this must be monumental. And obviously, there's you know trillions of dollars going into government yeah. budgets that somehow uh, mysteriously you know vanish. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I can assume that, that that if this story is true, that that some of these trillions uh, make their way into this. But just the staffing. And yeah. and uh, the people who are working behind the curtain doing this type of thing must well, be well. Well, um, t- take the Manhattan Project, for example, uh, of equal size and, and scope. Uh, yet they were able to compartmentalize everything and keep everybody unaware of the total picture, and they were only concerned with their little part. 
and they knew nothing about what was going on in the cubicle next to them or the office next to them. And it was kept that way. They were able to keep the secret and, and, and um, uh, do, uh, you know, some amazing research and, and development uh, without ever having that secret uh, come out. Um, there's some statistic, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing where it's like, uh, you know, 70% of the budget uh, of these programs is is uh, is tied up in uh, in security in the security of it. Oh, okay. So, um, okay. So yes, yeah, well, you know, interesting. Uh, back in the eighties, in the meltdown of the SNLs, uh, it was publicly re- reported. Uh, I only heard it once, but but on uh, um, um, mainstream media, that uh, it was thought that a third of the uh, money lost in the uh, meltdown of the SNLs uh, went to the CIA. Wow. Okay, that's that's interesting because I, I do that doesn't surprise me, but that is interesting that it even made that to, onto onto uh, yeah, on yeah, the mainstream yeah. press. And what doesn't surprise me at all, given uh, is that that was never heard of again. That seems like be right. a very interesting story to follow if you were a journalist. I'm like, oh, this is well. That's it. We supposedly live in a free society, a free exchange of information. Everything is can be reported and then forgotten immediately. I <laughs> uh, report it once. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did, We reported that. You know, it's, it's nothing that's secret. But but you never follow up. You know, it's, it, it, it's gone. So in your in your uh, reading through your stuff, you had a top secret clearance and you worked in the Pentagon? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, in looking back on that period in my life, I think I was sort of sheltered uh, uh, by the military. It was This was during the Vietnam War. Um, my skills weren't particularly good, but I was assigned uh, to the Pentagon. And then um, uh, uh, later to, uh, to uh, the NATO base in, in Iceland. Um, but uh, I was kept far away from the theater of war and, and, and uh, um, relatively sheltered. Um, now, does that mean, you know, I suspect that that uh, part of that w- was because uh, um, they didn't want uh, me to uh, come to any real harm uh, because I w- I've been monitored all my life being a part of that hybrid program. And just what's imp- what's the implication of having top secret clearance? Does that I mean you know I, I assume that like file clerks might have top secret clearance yeah, just because they yeah. have to carry uh, Manila envelopes back and forth between offices? Yeah, well, exactly. Um, my job was tending a teletype. Uh, that received notices when any naval unit, I was in the Navy, when any naval unit, a ship or, or marine unit, uh, um, a, a, as to their location, when they arrived at their location. So, yeah, it was very sensitive material, of course, but I just, I was a file clerk. I, I tore it off the uh, teletype and, and filed it. Um, no big deal. <laughs> um, huh, but that is interesting, though. I mean, this is as far as like a, like uh, a, you know a, a curious puzzle piece that's on the table. You know, given your life and the implications. Um, well, when you find that you're involved in this, uh, you go back and reflect on different incidences throughout your life. You know, you, sometimes you, you you can seem to make a connection. And here's a, something that shows up in 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 the uh, the literature as well as a little bit in your story, and I just want to ask about it: is the uh, influence of the occult? And I'm not even sure what the definition of occult would be, but you do make references to practicing um, some sort of ritual magic. Yes, yes. Uh, as I said before, I'm a, uh, a pagan uh, spiritually. Um, I honor many gods and goddesses and practice ritual magic. Um, I'm pretty good at it and actually um, occasionally teach uh, selected students. 
Um, so yes, yes, there is a an occult connection. Uh, again, um, this ties into the Nazis. The Nazis are known to have, have uh, had a very strong uh, um, uh, occult uh, um, basis. As well as um, something as simple, the initiation into the SS was an out-and-out occult initiation, if I Oh, yeah, if I, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, there, were, uh, uh, there was a ceremony in which the blood of Hitler was used uh, as a, a sacrament. Um, uh, yeah, no, they, they practiced some very, very strong uh, ritual magic. Now... Uh, I'm reluctant to call it black magic because uh, 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 the blackness is in the heart of the practitioner, not in the magic. Magic is a tool, like a car. It can be used to drive your best friend to the hospital and save his life, or it can be used to uh, uh, wait in the shadows and run over your worst enemy. Uh, it's a tool. Um, uh, magic is too. There's no good or bad to, to magic. It's the intent behind it, uh, uh that, that should be, uh, examined. Um, and the Nazis were very, very heavily into, to, uh, uh, um, what is called black magic from the, from their inception, uh, through the Thule Society, uh, of which, uh, Hitler uh, became a member. Um, uh, and he was being propagated as the new messiah. Uh, uh, as the Antichrist, if you will. Uh, now, those are terms that I don't particularly use, but many people do. And, and he was trying to fulfill certain prophecies uh, as well to, 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 uh, so that he uh, could uh, claim himself to be the Antichrist. Uh, yeah, go on. Oh, now, here's a question. Now, so I'm just trying to... Uh, what was your genesis? What was your introduction to, this, to these uh, um, uh, occult rituals? As well, far as, because, um, you know, in the, it, I just would love to, you know, the timeline of your life, uh, I would just be curious to see where this fits in. Well, um, I first um, was introduced uh, by a, a friend of mine, uh, a practitioner, and um, I immediately sensed an intelligence behind it. Um, that when the gates were opened, uh, um, uh, there was some real contact there with something. And again, I was presented with a mystery that I had to explore. You know, if this is really part of the natural order, if magic really works, then I want to know about it. I want to, I want to be able to, 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 to know its parameters and, 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 and maybe use it. Uh, it's another tool. Um, and, uh, so that's what got me into the study of magic. I found that it really worked. I grew, I grew up oh, uh, as a Reformed Jew, which, which, which is almost Christian, uh, in Oklahoma, uh, feeling like I was the only Jew in the state. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I was never bar mitzvahed. I never had a strong religious incultation uh, as a child. Um, but uh, uh, the magic, uh, the, the, the pagan pantheon and, and beliefs uh, uh, did speak to me. And uh, as I said, I've gotten pretty good at it and uh, and teach it to to select uh, individuals um, now so the, yeah uh, the the hybrid program the the the, the, uh, uh, the occult uh, factor um, uh, some very strong connections um, now this is oh, well, uh, this is where this is where I I, I struggle a little bit and I try to create a picture in my mind and, and whether I'm, you know, like what actually happens in these, in this hybrid program, you know, is it, is it a bunch of, you know, dry scientists, 
uh, and doctors, you know, with test tubes and petri dishes that are just going out, you know, about their business the same way that that uh, um, you know the, the insemination you know would take place in any other laboratory environment, uh, you know, whether that be with you know lab rats or chimpanzees or something, right. or is it taking place now? See that. Uh, Somehow I, I draw to a dead end with that because it doesn't seem to fit. It seems like what's going on is too profound for such a mundane paradigm. When I factor in the occult, when I factor in some sort of ritual, when I factor in, in some sort of uh, contact with something from the great beyond, then the, the, uh, that seems to be a more complete uh, picture of what might have been a very real possibility. Well, um, uh, I just remembered something that that, that, that uh, uh, could be important here. Um, a herald is, is very psychic. I'm not. I'm a much uh, uh, greater uh, projector of energy than a, a receiver of energy uh, and, and perceptions. Um, but from the outset, uh, uh, when Harold started working with me magically uh, as, as one of my students, um, he would see a gray in attendance whenever we drew the magic circle. And they were telling him that they were interested in our magic because we create a bubble in time. And the quote unquote. And that the implication was that they do the same thing. Hmm. Fascinating. So and in fact, uh, all the cultures, uh, uh, early ancient cultures of, of Earth, um, say that they were taught magic, magic ritual, by their gods. And then, if you, depending on who you who you trust as a researcher now, that's the implication that some researchers are are saying. You know, as far as our founding fathers and and the lineage of of uh, you know, like everyone, um, you know, down through the from you know ancient Egypt right on through the royalty of Europe, and and then you know installed right now, you know, through uh, the mere fact that both. Uh, the Skull and Bone Society, it sounds like there are, you know, rituals that take place that oh, sound yeah. very occult, that take uh, to a very selective few, um, and those select few somehow seem to make it into the White House, which is very troubling. Uh, okay, I hadn't heard about White House connections. Well, that was, so So both um, John Kerry and George W. II, uh, or, or, you know, George Bush II. Oh, oh in terms of, of Skull and Bones. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, skull and bones is very, very much a part of the um, what is loosely called the Illuminati, and yes, they, they are uh, well steeped in, in ritual magic. Um, yes, uh, uh, ritual magic. Yes, is employed by 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 many people you wouldn't suspect. Um, and it's uh, interesting because I, I mean, this is so funny. I mean, I don't. This is I don't think I've ever even contemplated this as a, as like a as a possibility, it always just seemed the stuff of, of fanciful tales, and and uh, but I'd never read or heard anything about it until just a, you know a few years ago. Especially anyone uh, you know right. that I w- could talk to one on one who had who had done it. Now it seems that there's it and it and it's strange blending and its appearance in the in this UFO f- contact experience, which is, to me is very striking. Yeah, yeah, they they are connected uh, at. at, at at various levels. Um, the details are something probably we'll never know. Alongside with keeping a secret would be, you know, just creating disinformation and just clouding the issue. So oh, yeah. um, any kind of avenue we might go down in the form of research, you know, could very well have, have a, be a minefield of that might not necessarily be true. 
Oh, oh very, very definitely. Uh, I tell people that back in the 60s, um, the FBI had so many informants in the Black Panther Party that they were literally informing on each other. And that, that's the same thing they say about the American Communist Party in the in the fifties. Yeah, is that they yeah. were they were the majority of them were actually FBI agents. Well, well, what that points to is is the way that they do things. They, they they do it by overkill. They throw in so many of their own people into the organization, whether it be the Black Panther Party or the UFO community at large. And many of the researchers, I believe, uh, as Jim Keith was quoted as saying have their allegiance to something other than the truth. Um, there are re major researchers, I, I won't name, that refuse to look at some very definite areas uh, uh, of this phenomena and, and just don't want to go there, period. Stephen Greer, would that be the name you're trying to <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, insert whatever name you like. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Jim Keith, a, a noted researcher in the field of conspiracies and a person I really respect, one of the very few that I respect for his research, um, believed that, that uh, uh, most of the UFO community um, was ignoring large parts of, of the truth out there. Um, so, uh, yeah, the disinformation uh, uh, is generally 95% uh, uh, things that are true mixed in with 5% falsehood. So that you, you look at the 95% that has proven to be true and you swallow that other 5% along with it. And, and that other 5% might be the very the tastiest morsel, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the most and, intriguing, right? Um. Yeah, I would love to hear any experiences you have with, with profound dreams. Well, I, I described uh, several of them in, in my book. Um, uh, one such dream was an answer to my question. Uh, I kept asking, why? You know, what, why am I involved? What is this about? What is, what is my purpose? W what's going on here? I want to know. You know. Why won't you tell me? And um, through a series of dreams, uh, basically the answer was, you can't handle the truth. Is that, is that line from Jack Nicholson? Sure. Because uh, <laughs> um, I, I also think that the truth may be much more bizarre than, than we're capable of even comprehending. Well, uh, at the time, they were saying uh, it was too scary for me to contemplate. It was the fear factor. Um, and one such dream, um, I'm in this very large house. There are people partying going on. It, 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 it's, it's a comfortable uh, uh, party. People are enjoying themselves. But I, 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 I walk through naked, and, and I'm, I'm fearful of my nakedness, and then suddenly I'm clothed in uh, a gray, gray clothing. And I go for a little bit, and, and that is, is taken away. So there, there's this sense of manipulation. Uh, uh, being felt, made to feel vulnerable and, and, then, and, then, and then covered up by the color gray. Uh, the dream starts out where I have this argument with my mother, and I storm out of the room and, and start walking through the house. And um, uh, I come upon my, my, my uh, um, was, was I married at the time? Probably not. Um, uh, my ex-wife uh, holding our, our, our child as an infant. Uh, um, and I look at it, and it, and it, and it's uh, uh, it, it's not uh, uh, our daughter. 
it, 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 some other child uh, that, that's emaciated and and, and uh, 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 terrible looking. And I said, no, no, this is a changeling. You know, uh, I get quite excited about that. And um, finally, toward the end of the dream, I'm in this room, and these three guys come in, and they have these the, the, these big overcoats, and the collars are turned up around their neck, and they have these big hats on. But I seem to see a glimpse that suggests that these are graves. And, and I said, aha, there they are, you know, unmask them. And, and uh, so, yes, they, they, they take off their, uh, uh, their clothing and start to pull up the mask that hides their face, that, that makes them look human. And, and as they do, these tentacles come out from underneath and start waving around in the air. And I just freak out. Whoa! And I go running back to my mother, climb up on her lap in a fetal position, and just no, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah, I I I, uh, I, I woke up uh, um, uh, completely alert, you know, n- n- not semi sleep, semi awake. I woke up completely alert, and, and I'm I'm sitting there, thinking, my God, you know, wow, what a dream. And I'm thinking to myself, now, was this my subconscious mind or was this a communication? And almost instantly, I felt really drowsy and just laid my head back down. And the dream continued where it had left off, uh, which is unusual. It does happen, but it's unusual. And um, people were gathered around me uh, trying to explain the dream to me. And um, this friend of mine... uh, um, came up and said, you know, don't you know, we were talking about this subject before you, you fell asleep. This is in the second part of the dream. Mm-hmm. And my friend, uh, uh, a great friend, I admire him in many ways, uh, but the one thing you're struck with is his stature. He is the shortest person I've ever known. And it made instant sense to me at that point. Aha, this is confirmation that it was a manipulated dream. Because in the second part of the dream, I recognized my friend as being a symbol for the greys. So it was as if the greys were telling me. You know, we were talking about this mm-hmm. before. Yeah, because I've, this is something that shows up in my direct experiences that I've had dreams that I know they are, they are by definition different. They have a different texture to them, and I and I trust them. And and the ones that are important, I know. I mean, they have a have a tone to them that that's undeniable. Exactly. It's hard to define that. Uh, These experiences, I mean, if it was, if somehow we were just a bunch of lab rats, I don't know why the the direct experience is so intensely personal. You know, it seems like so many of the of the interactions are are orchestrated to exactly match our needs as well as our personalities. Yes, yes, it is very much tailored to the individual. The experience. Um, and this, I think, is partly because um, it's um, administered by your private uh, entourage of, uh, of greys, uh, um, headed by your um, uh, guardian angel, the, the supervising grey. Uh, so it is a personal thing. Uh, um, uh, it's, it's not a cookie-cutter thing at all. And then, it, and then also sometimes these, this imagery gets very uh, mythological. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and... and People or metaphorical, you know, let me put it that way. Uh, an individual approach is needed because 
people vary so much uh, in their personality and how they accept things and in, in how they take information um, um, uh, and, as, and how they'll react to things. Will it be through denial or will they need to seek out an answer like, like I had to? Um, so the psychology of the individual is, is very much uh, 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 addressed uh, individually uh, um, in administering the, the lessons and, and the wake-up calls uh, uh, from the grace. You, in your book, you write a lot about your daughter, and, and uh, I'm just curious how she's doing. Oh, wonderful. Um, she just graduated with a master's degree in social work. And uh, as she was going through school, I was saying, I, 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 I'm very proud of you, honey, and, 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 and you're, you're wanting to help others, but how are you going to pay the rent? <laughs> but, but fortunately, um, she's been, uh, she uh, was offered a full-time job by the company she had interned with and is administering a, a program they've asked her to develop uh, uh, working with autistic children. Uh, so uh, I'm very proud of her. She's 25 years old. And uh, in full swing of her of her adult life, and uh, so uh, I, I'm I'm very proud of her. Good, and and I will edit any of this out if you feel I should. But oh, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no, just no. I'm curious uh, about. In fact, I, I blogged about that. Uh, um, uh, and occasionally, I'll, I'll post some um, important personal news that has nothing to do with dealing objection as, as a personal log, and, and uh, I bragged about uh, my daughter and, and her. Uh, uh, her master's degree uh, on my blog. So, you know, go ahead. And and, uh, yeah, and, and what's your sense of, of um, does she have direct contact experience? Uh, I believe she does. Certainly. And what's her uh, thought? <clears throat> she has never really uh, talked about it. Um, I don't know that she has finished my book. Uh, she's very involved in, 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 in her job and uh, before her schooling. Uh, and that's, that's fine. Uh, I think she believes me. But she's just not looking at it personally. Here's a question. In your uh, recommended reading list, you list a book by Ida Cannonberg. Oh, yes. And uh, I, she has a handful of books. I, I have three of them on my shelf here. Um, last I heard, she was still alive. Uh, she's oh, really? well under her 90s. I emailed her a few times a couple of years ago, and she replied, and she was very uh, – she was great. But um, – I thought those that book was so important in my in my uh, the way I wrap my head around this this whole ex- set of experiences. Uh, what was it about it that, that, that helped you? Um, she was very clear that she has a sort of a, 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 a I don't know, almost want to say sassy way of writing, and she was um, jumping back and forth between channeled information and her own doubting of the channeled information, like she would, she would out and out confront the, the information and say, like, I don't believe this. And, uh, and then they, the, uh, the channelers would, would have to come back and say, well, here, we'll explain it again. And, uh, and she also talked a lot about the metaphorical that takes place in these experiences. She, she went through and dissected the uh, experiences of uh, Betty Andreessen, and said, you know, these experiences, according to my channeled information, uh, happened at an ethereal level, though they were perceived by Betty as a literal experience. Right. And right. she would go back and forth between that, and and uh, and it it painted a, a very complex picture of something that um, you know people may share a story that that they perceive is perfectly literal. 
um, though the ex- entire experience uh, may have taken place in a in an ethereal dreamlike or you know right. hyp- you know, hypnosis type induced event. Well, er, early on, um, uh, I was sure that all my experiences were were, were physical, and I kind of lifted my eyebrow whenever I uh, people would say that they were taken out of body. You know, again, this was in a period when I had several paradigm shifts that I had to work through uh, in order to get where I am. But um, at first, I didn't believe it. You know, out of body, uh, come on. You know, it, it seemed a little too ridiculous, uh, um, even to me, even to me in, in, in my pagan background, uh, uh, strangely enough. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah. Um, Later, I had to admit that, that uh, many of my uh, visits were, were out of body. In, in fact, I would often feel myself land uh, when my spirit w- would come back into my body. Uh, uh, I, I, I would feel it drop the last few inches into, into my body. And uh, I, I'd wake up and it would, it would, the feeling would still be left with me. And I would feel like all I had to do was think and I could rise out of my body again. But that never happened. Good. I just so I wrote down a big long list of, of questions, and it seems like we've gotten to all of them. This has been a great interview, and uh, I'm looking at the clock here. That's one, two, three, four, five. Good for me. Look at that. Uh, I, I, I'm showing the, the little Skype clock that says how long we've been talking. Uh, I don't know what that means, but uh, that is a number that 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 seems to follow me around, and I seem to notice. Oh, it. okay. So, all right. Um, yeah, well, you got at least a good hour out of this. Oh no, this will be great. Everything. I, I feel like this was a this was was a great interview. Hey, before I can't let you go mm-hmm. without um, asking about the Star Trek store. Oh, the Federation Trading Post. Yes, from coast to coast. The and and were you were in New York City at the time? Um, no, it, it uh, began in Berkeley, and um, <clears throat> that resulted in a People magazine article uh, uh, on our enterprise. And after that, I was in the store. Um, um, two guys in suits came in, didn't say a word to me, walked around the store, and I sort of followed behind, you know, pretending not to listen, but I was. And they were saying things like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, this will go over well in New York. Yeah, okay. And then they left. So, oh my God! You know, I'm, I'm, they're going to steal my idea, and, and so I, I borrowed five thousand uh, dollars, rode right out to New York in a hippie bus <laughs> to save money, and um, uh, rented a storefront and opened in New York before anybody else could. And uh, uh, that was an experience. New York had never seen anything like that. Um, that year, you could take a cab from uh, uh, any of the airports and say, I want to go to the Star Trek store in Manhattan, and they knew exactly where it was. They didn't understand it, but they knew where it was because that's where people were lined up in the snow in the winter for Christmas to try and get into the store, and nobody lines up in the snow in the winter in New York. Uh, so uh, uh, it, it, it uh, created quite a splash. Um, it, it, it was a, a heady time. Um, and uh, we were sued by Paramount Studio for, for uh, uh, copyright infraction. Infra, infra, infraction. Uh, had to fight them to a standstill. I had to go out and find an attorney that was as big as theirs that would understand the case and take it on. And uh, so we fought them to a standstill. And I think the original Star Trek movie was even held up because of our lawsuit. Wow. Oh, I, I, I treasure those years. Um, I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing uh, kids come, come in to the store and just light up uh, because these are kids that uh, were you know, probably marginalized at school and, and 
um, <coughs> because of their interest in science fiction. And, and they would come in and just hang out because um, <coughs> I had a friend who was an audio engineer. He, took, uh, he recorded the, uh, the soundtracks of various episodes and cut out all the dialogue just leaving the sound effects and, and, uh, and such. And so we had that playing in the background, <clears throat> and that gave an ambience uh, to the store. Uh, and uh, I just enjoyed the kids uh, and, and seeing that, uh, you know, they'd come in and hang out because uh, this was a place where they were accepted. Oh, this is great. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. Hey, this went great. I just want to say thanks. Um, anything you want to share in, in, as we wrap this up? Um, no, I think we, we, we covered, uh, um, actually, uh, uh, just the third part of that subtitle, my mother. Oh yes, uh, please. Yeah. yeah um, I, <clears throat> I talked about, uh, how, um, looking back, uh, we understand now that, uh, abduction is generational and that if we're involved, uh, you know, you can bet the farm that your parents were involved and your grandparents, et cetera. Um, so knowing that, uh, we can be more forgiving of our parents and their mistakes uh, because they most likely did not know this. And yet we're confronted by the same pressures and, and, and unexplained uh, incidences and stresses without any explanation. And so very often uh, the parents of abductees uh, projected symptoms of post-traumatic stress without ever knowing why. And you also shared that your your father was a, a Holocaust survivor. Yes, yes, uh, a, a miraculous uh, escape uh, from an SS prison um, uh, due to circumstances that happened years before uh, that I think uh, were set up uh, by the Greys uh, as a future way for my father to escape Germany. Uh, it's a long story, but it involves my father was born to a very, very wealthy family. Um, <clears throat> I have since learned that uh, actually the family was an offshoot of the Rothschilds. Um, and so all he knew about money was that you wrote a check when you needed it. And he was a playboy in Europe uh, um, uh, before the uh, uh, Second World War. And uh, he learned of a um, student at the local university who was going to have to drop out in the senior year because his father had died and he was going to have to uh, uh, get a job and support the family. And so uh, being a, a, a Jew, uh, um, you're supposed to do a mitzvah every day, a good deed. So um, he uh, arranged to meet this, uh, this person he had never met before. Um, gave him a large check and said, pay me back when you, you know, after your schooling. Um, uh, when you get set up in business, uh, uh, you know, you, you can pay me back when you can. Uh, and the check was large enough to get him through the senior year of school and to support his family in the interim. Well, the guy was flabbergasted, of course, and, and dad never saw him again. Uh, years later, uh, the, the Nazi party uh, comes to power. Uh, um, his family is allowed to continue their business because it's considered essential for the economy of Germany. And uh, the family's kept hostage while uh, his half-brother, uh, Otto, uh, was allowed to make business trips to Switzerland periodically. Um, now, uh, unknown to the family, uh, on these trips, uh, Otto was taking parts of the family fortune with him. And on the last 
trip, he took his fiancée with him and never came back. Uh, the SS broke down the front door in the middle of the night, rousted everybody out of bed, and it was their, only their obvious shock and dismay to hear the news that they weren't in on this that uh, uh, prevented them from being taken away that very night. But uh, it was soon after that they were taken away. Uh, my, my grandfather had died. Uh, my grandmother was put on a cattle car to uh, some unknown death camp. And my father was taken to uh, an SS prison <clears throat> um, outside of Berlin uh, to be tortured to death that night. And as he sat in his cell, he could hear the screams uh, of uh, the other prisoners being tortured as one by one they were taken out of their cell never to return. And he knew he was not going to survive the night. Um, but before his term came, the commandant of the prison uh, arrived with a, another prisoner in tow, uh, read the roster of new arrivals, saw Dad's name on it, uh, ordered him to be uh, taken from the cell and escorted to his office. Um, Dad was. Uh, he's in the presence of the commander and this unknown prisoner. And uh, the commander orders the room cleared, except for the two prisoners. He orders them to exchange clothes. The other man is about Dad's height. After they've ex exchanged clothing, uh, the commandant took out his Luger and shot the other man point-blank in the face, and then ground his face with his boot to make him unrecognizable. Uh, then he, he, you know, he motioned for Dad to follow him. He took him to his car drove him out of the uh, the camp into, to the nearest train station. And as Dad got out of the car, it was the first time he heard him speak directly to him. And he said, get out of Germany. It was at that point Dad recognized the man as being the student he had given the money to years before. Uh, <laughs> um, he's... He still presented a problem. He had to get his passport and, and, and still make it past the, uh, the SS uh, guards at the airport. But uh, he was able to do that. Uh, that's another part of the story, but, uh, and, and uh, get out of Germany. But uh, uh, his miraculous uh, uh, um, survival at the last minute at the hands of the commandant uh, was because of his mitzvah. Uh, uh, that he that, and completely forgot about afterwards. And he said, that had he any indication the man had any Nazi leanings at all, he would have never, never uh, met, met with a man. Fascinating. Uh, just fascinating. Yeah. And I just, I just, yeah, that's a beautiful story. I'm, I'm, you know, like, I'm, I'm a, in, I mean, in, in an intense, moving story. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, you couldn't make this. I mean, <laughs> if you did make it up, it would no one would believe up, it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if it would, right. it would be silly if it was a piece of fiction. Yeah. Hey, you were just before we got you talked about your father. You were talking about your mother and and just the uh, what you said was the influence of, of like almost post traumatic stress disorder. Um, well, um, uh, certainly with my father, um, and, and to be in that situation where where he was in that prison cell, thinking he was going to die within the hour. Uh, um, that, that changed his life, and, and, and he had would have terrible bouts of anger when things didn't go his way. He had classic symptoms of post traumatic stress, but nobody knew about it then. You know, we we didn't start calling it post traumatic stress until the uh, Middle East hostages of the nineteen seventies. Mm -hmm. um, now, my my mother, um, uh, she had she was born uh, um, and raised during the depression. 
uh, born before the Depression and raised uh, as, as a five-year-old uh, during the Depression. Um, her mother, my grandmother, couldn't take care of her. She was living in a tent uh, alongside the banks of the Missouri River. Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she gave her up to a very stern grandmother, uh, uh, um, the mother of her father. And um, uh, she was uh, tyrannical and and, uh, uh, made life miserable for my mother. And mother said she would often go down into the basement when everybody was asleep and play with her little imaginary friends. I don't think those little friends were really imaginary. Um, but uh, at any rate, um, uh, abduction is generational, and I have no doubt that she was involved, too, although didn't know it. And, and in, uh, in, in and that realm, I just wonder how that, that played out as far as uh, no sort of support system uh, and the ability well, yeah, of these. I, I, I have uh, had issues uh, with my mother and, and her lack of support at certain times in my life. Uh, but, but uh, you know, it's something I really don't want to go over. Uh, um, uh, all of that is uh, water under the bridge. And part of the healing process was the realization that she was undergoing the same things I was but didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So um, um, we can be a little more forgiving uh, uh, in such circumstances. This has been a great interview. Thanks so much. Good. Okay. Very good. Thanks. I'll keep in touch. All right. Yeah, please do. And uh, uh, thank you so much for uh, turning me on to Skype. Okay. Very good. Thank you so thank much. You. And, and I, uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Okay. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. Well, there you have just about two hours of Chuck and I talking, uh, mostly me listening, and uh, Chuck talking about his experiences, which are, they run the gamut. They run the entire they seem to have like uh, he, he seems to have completed a little checklist of so many of the things that show up in the lexicon of this very curious phenomena. Um, I just finished editing. I didn't edit too much out, and and I got to listen to the entire interview again, and I am struck by his gentle nature as well as his his complete openness and and a kind of clear headedness about the whole thing. Uh, I am very challenged by a lot of the things that not only he says, but that gets that gets said, uh, that gets shared in this phenomena uh, collectively. Um, he did as skillful a job at articulating the complexities as I've ever confronted. Um, deeply impressed. He's a, he's a, a powerful spokesman for the reality of, of this of this fringe experience. That, uh, that some people um, are suffering under. He is quite an impressive guy, and I, uh, I feel quite honored that he said yes to this interview, and I think, um, I think, that comes, I think it comes through that he's, uh, he's very open and very sincere uh, with what he has to share. I will be posting a short interview uh, excerpt, uh, we had a short conversation where we set up Skype, and during that process we were recording, jumping back and forth, I was talking, and um, he shared some extra things. So that'll be posted separately, rather than just tag it on to the end here. Uh, If you've made it this far, thank you very much. Bye now.